Hello, hello, Down to Brown fam. We're back. This is our first episode in a while. I validated the feeling by checking my data, and Spotify did say that the last episode that I released was in July of last year. So it's been a minute, and here we are in a new year. I hope everyone had a great holiday season, whatever occasion you observe and celebrate. I love the holiday season. All the indulgence, the time with our peeps, the cozy twinkle lights, the lights everywhere, they really get me. But also I'm glad it's over. America puts a lot of pressure on the holidays. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. You gotta profess your love for your person in a moonlit street, have a flight to catch, running across the airport to see your family or relatives, and it's always Chicago O'Hare. I don't know why. You gotta be laughing with a martini in hand at a holiday party wearing sequins. (laughs) Buy white elephants, Santa, regular gifts. Oh my gosh, yikes. Not all of us have that as well or want that. So Whatever your way of spending November or December was, I hope it provided you the fulfillment and peace that you needed and you wanted. The highlight of my December was that Anton, my husband and I, celebrated our one-year wedding anniversary, which was mm, obnoxiously mushy. I really felt like maybe I would feel, oh, it's just an anniversary, but Oh my God, we read our vows to each other again. We stared into each other's eyes, fed each other food at restaurants, the whole gamut. Ugh, disgusting. I loved it. I have a lot of hopes for 2023. Like the kind of hopes and dreams Amitabh Bachchan had for Shah Rukh Khan in Kabi Kushi Kabi Yam. At my Bollywood watching people. <laughs> LOL. I'm optimistic, you know, because... The number, literally the number 2023. See, brown people like to do this thing where we give odd numbers for money when we exchange gifts. Otherwise, we think it's bad luck. So, 2023, right? It's the $51 cash gift an auntie would give me. So, please, bless me, auntie energy. So, here we are. Odd-numbered 2023. As I prepared for this season of Down to Brown, I thought a lot about what I learned in 2022 as a South Asian woman and generally woman in America. I'd love to share a few of my thoughts and feelings, if you'll indulge me. Also, quick side note, you might be hearing some sounds in the background, and I promise that's not my stomach gurgling this time. It's the atmospheric river that is visiting California, and I cannot record without that sound of nature bellowing in the background. But such is life, you know, gotta coexist. So hope y'all are safe if you are in California, because it is going insane out there. All right, so my first thought, we need to adapt the way we connect in a way that we hadn't had to examine before the pandemic. In 2020, we had all this time, right? We were online and our South Asian community connection expanded in a way that it hadn't before. There were a ton of businesses, knowledge accounts, jokes, you name it. And it was fun. 
It was almost like this renaissance, this Daisy songs. Does that work? In 2022, though, we saw people returning to, quote, normalcy. I really say this with quotes because, um, are we okay? TBD. We started to go out again, slowly take off our masks, scandal. And in the process, we remembered what it was like to connect in person again. And it felt amazing meeting my friends in a restaurant. Like, what are we? Are we in a TV show? But in that way, 2020 online habits didn't work in 2022. I remembered how draining online time was as well and some of the mental effects that it can bring. I am sure I'm not alone. And if I'm not, please holler at me because I'd love to hear how you've dealt with this too. A lot of the brands and accounts and things that we saw either lasted or lost traction and that's fine. This isn't a bad thing because we are evolving like humans should. But I think we also need to identify what the next step is beyond the online communities that we build. How do we move on from a screen-based momentum that we've built to more tangible ways of us connecting and reaching out across the country to bond over our South Asian experiences in America? Secondly, I like to look at the year and how it fared, kind of like my Oscars for feminism or racism. Like, how did we do last year as a country? And there were some strong wins in 2022 for women in the U.S., One of them, the Russell 3000, which is a market index, I had to look that up, showed an especially encouraging increase in women CEOs. It went from 158 women CEOs in 2021 to 186 in the first half of 2022. And that's an increase of 28 or 17.72%. 28 isn't a huge amount in a country, but hey, it's a uh, win towards progress. A record number of women were elected to serve in Congress, being sworn in this month, and that's about 149 women who will now serve in the U.S. House and Senate and expands female representation. So that's a win. An average of 1,821 new businesses were started a day by women in 2022. God damn. That to me was like the coolest stat. 16% of the startups in the United States had at least one female founder in 2022, and there has been an increase of 114% in the number of female entrepreneurs over the last 20 years. In fact, women-owned businesses generate an average of 1.8 trillion per year. That is impressive, my friends. But, but, This is my hot take on the year. So just like the sandwich method of feedback, I guess I'm doing an open-faced sandwich because I started with the positive and now we're going into constructive. I think what bothered me about 2022 is that the world sort of stopped trying to pretend that it wasn't sexist. So hear me out and I'm gonna focus on the US because that's my world. Hot take, okay, I promise. You may disagree when it comes to the media. Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp. I don't care whose side you may sit on. I think the media played Amber so poorly and people completely ignored the fact that this woman was telling us that she was assaulted and no one gave a fuck just because maybe she like pooped on the bed or whatever. I'm not saying that you want someone to poop on your bed, but Guys, the like bias was so clear and it made me deeply uncomfortable. 
The teenager in me that changed all my passwords to I love Johnny Depp or Mrs. Jack Sparrow, where's the rum, deleted that history from my memory forever. Even Megan the Stallion towards the end of the year, that was insane to me how much we were doubting her and examining black women's behavior in the media. That did not need to happen. The second one in the media was Bachelor in Paradise. And the reason I talk about this, not because it's like the most groundbreaking thing to ever happen in our lives, but I think Bachelor in Paradise is a really good representation of the average country. You know, when you're, especially like me in California, we see some type of thinking, but you have to average the entire country in every region, how we think about things and socially how we view dating. I think the Bachelor franchise is a really good representation of that. And it is one of the highest ranked reality shows and rated reality shows in the country. So first of all, this franchise quietly replaced their two female hosts that they were like trying to interrupt with good change and be diverse. And they brought this white female host, black female host, because apparently they couldn't do the job alone. And with the most generic ass white dude that replaced them, nobody asked for him. And then... I pay attention to Bachelor in Paradise the most because I feel like it's the most equal of playing fields for women and men in the show. And it's also very entertaining. I I use the term equal loosely, by the way. If you look at the final rose like episode where they show the ending and like they interviewed all the cast that come back, they talk to each other. Here are some numbers for my math people. You have 11 men and 11 women who attended, right? Of those, seven women received less than favorable spotlights where they were shown as indecisive, they were conniving, you know, they like flipped on their men, or they were just plain slut-shamed. On the other hand, not one, not one, so zero men were portrayed unfavorably. In fact, seven men had redeeming stories where they sort of had a comeback story in the show, that episode where they have these people come, they got to re-explain their story and correct the narrative. Only four women had redeeming stories, but that's because two of them never messed. So I started with one that we might be exposed to quite openly. The other one is the world of business. This statistic really boils my blood because people have a tendency to think, especially I've talked to some men recently who are like, hey, like because of Zoom and working from home, probably got easier for women to work, right? Um. First of all, childcare crisis, but also women in the workforce are leaving at alarming rates. There's an entire New York Times article that talks about the she session. Women accounted for 55% of the 20 and a half million jobs lost, with higher unemployment rates for women of color, especially black women with 16.4% and Hispanic with 20%. This brings into question an even bigger gap in diversity and inclusion moving forward. The other thing I noticed is that we were obsessed with some of the douchiest CEOs last year, Elon Musk, ignoring the fact that he had some really, like he had relationships with the subordinates that kept coming out. He's putting out children, like they're candy in the world, despite his theory on population control for the plebeians. And just like his blatantly disrespectful leadership in Twitter, I've talked to people who work at Twitter who have left and the way that they were treated was literally what the media portrayed. And then did we talk about famous businesswomen and their accomplishments? No, we talked about Elizabeth Holmes. She took up the one slot we had for women in the media. Great. 
Lastly, pay equity. Currently in 2022, the pay gap difference still stands at 17%, which is almost $20 less for females for every $100 a male makes. So in fact, according to the Global Gender Gap Report in 2022, it'll take, get this, another 132 years to close the global gender gap. I'm just gonna pause for that to sit because that's not even us. That's not our children maybe even. That's a far time away. I promise this is going somewhere. I'm not trying to paint a grim picture just to bring you down. There is a point to all this. Socially and politically in the South Asian American community, we were shaken by the violence against our women in the hands of tragic excuses for men. And yeah, some person might say, hey, those numbers are nothing compared to all the women who are blah, blah, blah. But that matters, guys, that matters. It means that our society still has so much work to do and there are a lot of silent things that keep happening that we keep ignoring by using the positives. There was the murder of Sonia Khan because her ex-husband could not bear being divorced, drove cross country and shot her in her own home. Or there was the suicide of Mandeep Kaur, who was so abused by her husband and so ignored by her community that she felt she had no other choice. This is so serious, y'all. That's actually the last episode I recorded. I think I was fully disheartened and didn't feel like any other episode mattered that year, honestly, because it really shook us to our core that despite the progress we're making, we have so much work to do that has dire consequences life or death. Uh, Speaking of life or death, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I think that was it for the year, right? Like, I think, yeah. Trick question, y'all. Shame on you if you thought that was it. Roe versus Wade. Ugh, let's talk about Roe v. Wade. Deep breath, deep breath. Do you remember where you were that day it was announced? I? like a naive little daisy in a cute pink vase, thought that because the decision had leaked prior that something would happen differently by the time that they actually announced the decision. That it was RBG's ghost helping us leak the papers and find out the truth so that we could fix it. Unfortunately, it was just a little heads up for us, just like many of you, I was crushed. It was the biggest fuck you the country could send us. That evening of June 24th, 2022, that was the day the decision came out, I had plans to go hear Ibram X. Kendi talk about his new book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, interviewed by our local celebrity too, Kamu Bell. And any other plan I had, I would have canceled and curled up into a fetal position and cried in bed. That was a pun intended for the assholes who voted against this. But instead, I went with my cousin and a friend, and it was the best thing I could have done that night. Kendi read an opening chapter where he talks about his wife asking for care during her pregnancy, and the doctor is continuing to tell her otherwise. Finally, what his wife was advocating for was true, and they were able to help her in time, but he makes this point, and actually there's this really great quote in the book, the world has a knack for causing women to question their sanity And those questions fall especially heavily on pregnant women and pregnant black women most of all. It's on page 10 of the book. I thought that was powerful, especially in a year that we're being told that what our bodies want, what we want, don't worry about it. 
The white men got you. They'll tell you what to do. It was a very standout quote. And another strong reason to keep in mind how we're supporting and looking to black women's voices. Okay, I know you're not trying to listen to Debbie Downer to Brown, but I'm actually hopeful, I promise. After all this, I'm actually hopeful towards change because otherwise I'd renounce my life and move to the Himalayas at this point. Because Roe versus Wade's overturning begged a larger conversation about women feeling like our physical bodies belong to us, that our needs are in our control, that what we need for it is in our control. The overturning was like the biggest gaslight of 2022. It is no wonder Merriam-Webster picked that word specifically to be the one word that they added to the dictionary that year. At least Merriam-Webster validated us, y'all. The gaslighting with our own bodies is so real in society, we started to do it too to ourselves. Think about it, how many times you have thought something but your mind says things like, oh, you're being dramatic, you're overthinking that. Maybe I should make sure I'm thinking the right thing by uh, maybe calling my best friend. Blink twice if you've caught yourself doing this. And how many times did you realize that you were right? Because you ended up talking to someone else maybe and feeling validated. It's a great thing that we have that, don't get me wrong, but what if we validated ourselves and our inner voice said, is that what you're thinking? Let's look into that. In 2023, I want Downer Brown's conversations to focus on us listening to our own voices and bodies. In each conversation, whatever it's about, our well-being, our health, our institutions, finding healing and stability, local activism, I want us to feel empowered to have the knowledge to be our own validators. And when we see other women get gaslighted by the institutions we live in and revere as authority, to speak up. I want us to advocate for ourselves and other women. So I'm rewriting the mission of Down to Brown actually to be, what would life look like if we freed ourselves from the pressures of American assimilation and South Asian stigma to be our truest selves? True is something that's actually on my personal vision board for this year, and Khloe Kardashian's will, most likely. This is as opposed to the years we've spent thinking that we need to be one form of something or a standard that was deemed ideal by society, American or brown experience. One way to look, one way to sound, one way to be, I'm over it. What I love about True the concept of true is that everyone's version looks different. This season will be joined by badass South Asian women and women of color communities so that we can learn from each other and become truer together. Lastly, I'll be formalizing Down to Brown Circles as a thing, a safe and productive space for women and brown and sister communities to gather and discuss a pertinent topic and learn from each other. If you follow my Instagram, we tried our first down to brown circle in October of last year. And it was a humble group. I, I actually loved, it was a small intimate group of six women who got together. And all of us had varied experiences, but one thing in common, we wanted to connect with other South Asian women and women of color to understand perspectives, how they're influenced by you know, where we grew up. Did we grow up in a highly representative place or not? Did we move from India or did we grow up here? You get the picture. We're all craving connection. 
And I hope to continue these down to brown circles. So look out for more info on our second one and first one of 2023. If there's something you want me to consider also for the batch of episodes that we have released, I don't know why I'm calling it batch. Like it's like a batch of cookies, but I've also been getting really into cooking as you can tell from my Instagram stories. And um, maybe that's why. So let's do batches. This batch will be coming out in the next couple months. Let's say Q1 for my corporate friends. Um, So we'll have about seven episodes coming out between January through beginning of March. And then we'll move on to a next batch. So if you have any suggestions for that, let me know. I'm always open to requests for productive conversations. And truly all, I can't wait for you to see what we have in store. I cannot thank you all enough for following along this journey, whether you've joined since 2020 or 2021, last year, whatever it is, one episode. I adore you all and thank you with all my heart for being a part of this journey. 